Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. And welcome back to At Your Service. Uh, you know, it's hard to follow Maria Kina. It is hard uh, just because she's fantastic. Fantastic at what she does. But I will endeavor to persevere. Welcome back to the uh, At Your Service show. Brad Young sitting in this evening. And we're talking about Israel, about your reactions, how you feel, what do you think, uh, how how do you perceive and take in not only what's going on, but where where we are headed? 314-436-7900. Big Al has been sticking around through the break. And uh, Big Al, good to talk to you, my friend. How you doing this evening? Good, buddy. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be back here on Wednesday nights on Camo X so I can talk to uh, interesting people like you. Well, I can tell you one thing. Um, Hamas. I helped build the Israeli fighter jet F-15s out at Boeing and McDonnell Douglas. So you already messed up. So um, you ain't going to hear it. You're not going to see it. But you deserve it. And for any politician, including the squad in court of all people, to, to say that this is in Harvard, this is in a, a holy war. What? Corey and, and, of course, the other squad won't. But what people need to do is pull their Bible open tonight and read Revelations because it's being played out right before our very eyes. And that previous caller hit it right on the head. This country is blessed, people, because we backed Israel from the beginning, okay? And we wouldn't have what we have without backing Israel. God, Jesus told us to. And we have, and we will, and we better. So I can tell you right now, it was their Pearl Harbor, and it's sad. But I can mm-hmm. tell you right now, I got F-15s, and my, my girl that passed and went to heaven, Jeannie, built the J-Damn bombs. So you stirred up something you don't want, people, and you brought it on yourselves. You know, love you. Big Al, uh, I, I love your sentiment, my friend. And listen, I'm I'm such a military aircraft nerd that I know exactly what you're talking about. That F-15, they're not going to see it coming. They're not going to understand. It's just going to be instantly uh, those fighters are gone. Uh, but it doesn't detract from what they did to Israel. And is a response like this justified? Larry, you've been holding through the break as well, my friend. Thanks, Thank you for calling in, sir. 
How how you been? I've been well. I've been well, and uh, I've uh, uh, I, I didn't come in on at your service for the better part of baseball season. But uh, now, since if Cardinals aren't in the playoffs, then baseball season's over. So uh, here I am, and I get to talk to guys like you. It, it, the baseball season's over for you, but it's st- just beginning for me because I'm an Astros guy. Okay, well, uh, that's good. Yeah, the Astros are going to be uh, going to be moving on, unlike the Cardinals. But uh, right. but anyway, what's on your mind, sir? Couple quick things. You know, I, I'm really glad for the. Uh, the country of Israel that they have Benjamin Netanyahu running the show. Yes. A better leader, a better leader than what we got, even though we had a great leader and I know you didn't vote for Trump, but he, he's, he's the man, he's, he's the leader that we need in this country. Anyways. Well, here's a good point um, before you move on from that though, Larry, you know, there's a, there's a point to be made here. And I made this point previously when Ronald Reagan was president and, uh, and, and I can make it now that, that do you think that Hamas would have done this against Israel had Donald Trump been in office. You know, I don't think so, but but I can't you you can't say for a hundred percent. This is this is an organization that you know whoever would have thought people would have flown planes into the into our buildings. You know that's what that, that's that's my, was my first thought how I felt after that happened, and I know that those same kind of feelings are coming back now. What these people are going through, it's just. It's terrible. But my real question is, why don't we have an ambassador to Israel? Now, I got a text yesterday from someone from KMOX telling me the GOP is blocking the confirmation. I've never heard Tony Blinken offer up any anyone. I have. Have you heard a name? No. Well, I have heard a name. And in fact, I'm stretching here to think about the, the name of the person that's kind of waiting in the wings. But uh, I'll be honest with you. I've not heard of anyone blocking this nomination. Uh, I've not heard of it because, look, the nominations are are done in the Senate. And right now the Democrats control the Senate. So I I don't know how Republicans could could be holding this up. Uh, And I haven't heard. And when I when I when you mentioned to the to uh, producer uh, Matt Pajeski that what you wanted to talk about you know, I, I was like, yeah, why don't we have an ambassador to Israel right now? Um, I don't think it's going to be that much of a detriment because the the diplomatic core in both countries are is still very vibrant and connected, but it certainly doesn't help anything. And one last point, and I know there's a lot of dispute when it comes to comes to the Bible, but in my opinion, as a as, as an Orthodox confessional Lutheran. The Bible doesn't say anything about a temple being rebuilt for Jesus Christ to come back. It, it's very explicit when it says, no man knoweth the hour or the time when Jesus sure. will reappear. So well, that That is true, but if you look in the book of Daniel, there's a lot of, uh, of discussions in the book of Daniel about uh, the, at the, the end times will be precipitated by a rebuilding of the temple. So uh, I think that's you what, what that one of the earlier— You know what I was talking about, though? Yeah, I that's what one of the earlier— 70 A.D. Well, and there and therein lies the, the, the problem in, in trying to interpret Scripture about whether or not, uh, particularly in the book of Revelation, whether it's talking about the coming of Nero, because he, he certainly destroyed large swaths of Jerusalem in 70 A.D., or whether that's projecting to the end times, therein lies the question. 
Right. Well, in, I, I'm pretty familiar with Daniel, you know, Nebuchadnezzar and, and on and on it went. And David had these dreams and finally came up with, you know, the, the, the four the four earthly kingdoms. It was Babylon and it was uh, Alexander the Great in the seventh century. It was uh, uh the, the 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 one that started the Muhammad Muhammad was a scourge he was a scourge over there in these countries anyways and then it goes all the way and the last one is the Roman Catholic Church well and, and I've certainly heard that and that's why sometimes interpreting biblical prophecy is a very difficult thing to do hey Larry we're coming up on a hard break here my friend we've got to take a break but I appreciate you calling in and as always I appreciate you listening to Camel X. Have a great evening. Great to talk to you again, my friend. Hey, after the break, we're going to talk to Dan Kleffner. He's the president of Central Bank of St. Louis. And w- again, with all of this turmoil in the Middle East, we've had, uh, speaking of prophecies, we've had many predictions that we're going to have a recession. Will we have a recession? And how might that impact the St. Louis region? Coming up next here on At Your Service on Camo X. Don't go away. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back to At Your Service on Camo X. Brad Young in with you this evening. And you know, if you've listened to the show before, you know one of my fascinations is with economic trends. Uh, because studying economic trends uh, a lot of times will tell you what's going to happen in the future. Not precisely, but we're talking about trends. And so with all of the turmoil in the Middle East and and certainly turmoil in the financial markets during the month of October, I wanted to reach out uh, to uh, the president of Central Bank, that's uh, Dan Kleffner, to talk to him about where we are financially right here in the St. Louis region. And are, will we see a re- recession? And if so, what does that mean for people right here in Missouri and Illinois? So, Dan Kleffner, welcome back to Camel X. Hi, Brad. Good to be with you again. It's great to talk to you, sir. So, generally speaking, let's uh, let's start with the, with the general. Where are we at right now, from your perspective, financially, both uh, globally and and from nationally, but even more importantly, regionally? How would you rate where we are at the moment mm-hmm. financially? Well, I would say, you know, here locally and regionally and really even nationally, it's, you know, our economy has been fairly stable um, coming through 2023. And as you know, as we enter 2023, uh, most economists were projecting the recession that you just mentioned. 
and we really haven't seen it. Uh-oh. Hey, Dan, make, uh, why don't you try to to move over to a better cell spot? I'm kind of losing you. Oh, are you losing me? Okay, let me let me move a little bit. That's okay. That's that's not an uncommon uh, not an uncommon <laughs> problem, Dan. It's not a problem. So you were telling right. us that that right now we've seen a lot of stability economically, and there's been some economists who were predicting a recession in 2023. Uh, that hasn't happened, nor do we think it will happen in the next uh, month or two months of whatever's left of this year. But then you were starting to say, where do you see us going, particularly regionally? Right. Right. You know, the consumer is still very strong. Um, you know, the $4.3 trillion that uh, businesses and consumers received uh, as a result of the uh, the pandemic, all of the stimulus cash, um, is still um, is still on some balance sheets of consumers and businesses. And so um, we're seeing that, um, that with that liquidity, uh, the consumer is still spending. And so, you know, the more that they spend... Uh, the harder it is to tame inflation, and um, and you know the Fed is doing their best to raise rates and to to tamper down inflation, and um, you know we're seeing that uh, you know it's it's probably going to be a little bit before that really happens. Um, even though inflation's come down from nine percent to three and a half percent, there's still probably a ways to go in terms of uh, taming inflation. We're, we're talking to Dan Kleffner, president of Central Bank of St. Louis. And, Dan, I, I read just this week that the New York Federal Reserve, the New York Fed, has estimated the chances of there being a recession by next year at this time. And they've placed that chance at 56 percent, which, uh, you know, if you're if you're if you're batting 56 percent in, in the uh, MLB, you know, you're 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 an all star. So, I mean, that number is not insignificant. But I guess my question is, when you look at at this idea that we may be going into another recession, how does this continued increase of interest rates and the continued inflation that we're dealing with? How does that factor into whether we will or will not go into a recession? Well, with the Fed continuing um, on the course of raising rates, it's going to be hard not to enter into a recession. Um, you know, what we're starting to see, too, is some some businesses that are um, exposed to floating rate debt and some consumers who are exposed to floating rate debt through their home equity or credit cards, they're going to start to feel that pinch. Uh, they're really going to they're going to feel it in their wallet. And um, it's, you know, it's, I think it's, it's perfectly reasonable to expect some sort of a pullback next year. The, um, you know, the amount of debt that's on the balance sheet of, uh, of some of our companies, you know, nationally um, can be, it's fairly significant. And for those that don't have floating rate debt, maybe they locked in at really low interest rates. Well, those, those debt instruments are going to mature in the next year, two or three. And when that happens, they're going to be facing much higher rates, and they're going to be facing um, uh, much higher debt service payments, which that's when we're going to start to feel the pinch. Well, one of the things that I know that that your company, Central Bank of St. Louis, that you're involved with is mortgage lending. So at this point, how has the rising interest rates that we've that we've all seen across the board, how has that impacted the housing market up to this point? And how do you think the, the Fed's uh, the Fed's tool is that it uses from its toolbox to raise interest rates to cool the economy. How much longer do you foresee that happening? Yeah.
Okay, I think. Hey, Dan, there we go. Uh, try try that again, Dan. We we kind of lost you right after my question. Start again. Uh, all right. Yep. So, uh, you know, you were talking about locally how we're doing, and, and strangely, with this increase in rates, um, you would think that the median sales price of our homes in St. Louis would be dropping because there'd be fewer people buying homes, but the actual median sales price is up about three percent over last year. Um, what we're finding is that there's just not much inventory out there for people who want to go out and buy homes, move out of apartments, what have you. Um, and that's, as we know, due to most homeowners being locked in at rates that are historically um, low. I think the, the numbers, 82% of homeowners have a rate less than 5%. 62% have a rate less than 4%. And 23% have a rate less than 3%. So those folks aren't going anywhere. And so the demand for housing is still pretty good. But to get to your question about what we've seen with respect to rates and um, and home buying activity, we're seeing it with new homes primarily. And we're not seeing hardly any refinances. The only refinances we're seeing are those that need the cash to do a cash out refinance. Um, so it's really kind of a mixed bag when it comes to mortgage lending right now. So as you as you are putting uh, on your your um, X-ray vision glasses or gazing into your crystal ball, all right, and I'm not right. going to pin you down because nobody can know this precisely. But do you see the Fed continuing to raise interest rates uh, throughout 2024, or are they going to start tapering off sometime next year? Well, you know, they've already started to taper off. And um, after, you know, some recent increases in the longer term rates, the 10-year Treasury, um, we're seeing a little bit of uh, pullback from some comments that we've seen from the Fed just even today. Um, and it has to do with, you know, you know the increase in rates has to do with, you know, the labor market, uh, you know, the, the UAW strikes that's the government shutdown that was um, that almost occurred, and then obviously with what's going on in Israel and the Middle East, um, there's a little bit more dovishness on behalf of some of the Fed when it comes to the comments. There are three Fed presidents today that came out with some pretty, oh, I'd say, soft remarks about uh, maybe we won't need um, to raise rates again mm-hmm. at this next meeting. So, so I don't think we're going to see significant increases, but it really just depends on what we see with inflation. Mm. Yeah, very good. So, the we're, we're of course we're talking to Dan Kleffner, president of Central Bank of St. Louis, and Dan for two reasons. I think folks may need to be reaching out to you. First of all, we've talked about interest rates, we've talked about home loans and and mortgages, and I know folks can reach out for you about reach out to you about that. But also as we approach the end of the year, that's a natural time for people to uh, to assess where they are financially, to make adjustments as necessary, and start planning for how to uh, you know maximize their investments, whether it's IRAs or other investments, for the coming year. So if folks want to reach out to you at Central Bank, how can they do that? Well, we have a fully um, uh, staffed trust company that can help with investment advice, and it, we have our own actual brokerage within the bank called Simple Investment Advisors, but they can call us at 862-8300, 314 is the area code. Um, and then we're obviously on the internet at centralbank.net. So um, we'd encourage your listeners to reach out if they have any questions. Very good. Dan Kleffner, president of Central Bank of St. Louis. It's great to talk to you again, Dan, and I'm looking forward to the next time we can chat about economic trends right here on X. 
All right. Likewise. Thanks, Brett. My pleasure. Hey, after the break, uh, we had a, a couple of callers ago mention Corey Bush and and uh, about her comments on Israel. I'm going to bring up some of those. I want to talk about the comments about Israel coming from Harvard. And what do you think about this idea that that critics of Israel, and listen, I'm I'm the one of the largest supporters of Israel you'll ever see. In fact, I'm, I'm so large when I, when I step on a scale, it says one person at a time. So, you know, I'm a very large supporter here. But, uh, yeah, I know that's a dad joke. I know, I know. But what should we do to folks who are criticizing Israel? Do they warrant losing their First Amendment rights? Do they warrant not getting jobs? Do they warrant losing funding at Harvard? What do you think? 314-436-7900 on X. We'll be right back. Welcome back to At Your Service. I got to tell you, I've had a lot of great texts tonight. And uh, and Matt Pajeski likes to tease me sometimes because all during the breaks I'm typing uh, because I'm responding to texts. 314-436-7900 if you want to call or text. I always respond, and I appreciate your participation in the show. And as I mentioned to one of the texters, uh, you can't do this with video on demand, and you cannot do this with a podcast. Interactive media is pretty much exclusively driven by radio. That's why I'm here. And I'm here really exclusively for that reason, because this exchange of ideas, this discussion of topics, to me is fantastic. And you cannot get this anywhere other than right here. So before the break, I mentioned some of the comments from Cori Bush, our own Congresswoman, Cori Bush, She came out over the weekend and earlier this week strongly in support of Hamas. But she's not the only one. There's been lots of folks who have expressed support for Hamas. And one of those groups is Black Lives Matter. And Black Lives Matter, the chapter in Chicago, posted imaging on social media celebrating. And if you've seen the videos, you know what I'm talking about. But the videos where the Palestinian soldiers were flying in paragliders to get over over the wall that that surrounds the Gaza Strip. And so some of the terrorists were exploding or using explosives to to punch holes in the walls. But some of these uh, other terrorists were using paragliders to fly over. And if you've seen those pictures, as I have. Those Guys, those terrorists in the paragliders, they weren't just flying over sightseeing. They weren't using binoculars and admiring the countryside uh, of greater Israel. They had machine guns, and they were firing at civilians, not soldiers, not police, but they were killing and massacring civilians when they were flying over. And every single one of those paragliders was, was carrying multiple multiple automatic weapons, and I'm assuming also grenades, although I didn't see any of those. I just saw each of those flyers carrying multiple machine guns. And I mention that because that was the image that Black Lives Matter posted on social media to celebrate, and they were truly celebrating Hamas rising up and attacking Israel. Now, 
as I was texting someone, uh, one of the listeners during the break, they used the word uh, reprehensible or they used the word devastated. Those words are simply not strong enough for what Hamas did. Now, if they would have fought back, and, and, and l- l- let's, let's talk about this as an intellectual exercise. Let's assume that this was a situation where Hamas was taking a position against the occupying country of Israel. Then their response should have been to attack the military. It should have been to perhaps attack government installations to say we're fighting back against you. But that's not what they did. They committed acts of terrorism by massacring and slaughtering civilians, by kidnapping civilians and holding them as human shields and using hostages, including Americans, as bargaining chips. That is not, under any stretch of the imagination, a legitimate response to what you perceive to be an oppressive power. It's just not. That is terrorism. That's what it is. And so Cori Bush came out this during this past week in support of terrorism. That's what she did. And so did many other Democrats. We call them the squad, but all the members of the squad came out in favor of Hamas. But so did Black Lives Matter and many others. But before I get into the tactical discussions of what's going on, I want to talk about the free speech considerations. You know, if you've heard the show ever before when I'm hosting, free speech to me is an enormously important issue. And so even if I disagree with someone, if someone calls up on me and, and disagrees with me, listen, I give them tons of airtime, all right? Because free speech is important. The discussion of ideas is important. It has implications. So when I look at Harvard, 30 different groups at Harvard signed a letter, that, and it was published online. I believe it was published online Sunday or Monday. 30 different groups comprising thousands, hundreds or thousands of students at Harvard coming out in full support, full support of Hamas. And in the letter, which I've got in front of me, it said that Israel was, and I'm quoting, entirely responsible for the Hamas attacks. Israel was responsible. Now, if that would have been, as I mentioned a few moments ago, had Hamas attacked the military fought back against the police, tried to resist the Israeli government, then I, although I would still be in support of Israel, I could at least understand conceptually, I could understand intellectually why uh, Hamas or why people might support Hamas in this situation. But how can anyone, how can anyone support the beheading of civilians, the kidnapping of women and children, the slaughter of people at a music concert, who had they weren't had had nothing to do with anything going on in Gaza. They were just younger people hanging out, enjoying a music festival. And in response, they were slaughtered and kidnapped. So for anyone to come out in support of Hamas to me is reprehensible. But that again comes to this bigger issue. How should we respond? Now there's been some uh, law firms in New York that have said that they will not hire 
any of the Harvard Law graduates who signed on to these letters supporting Hamas, because there are there are a, a, a lot of Israel supporting individuals in the legal industry. I happen to be one of them. And so they said they're not going to hire. Now, is there anything intrinsically wrong with that? Well, a private company isn't bound by the First Amendment, and they can choose whom to hire or who not to hire. But here's where the issue gets sticky. Because one of the, and I've heard multiple, actually not just one, multiple uh, columnists have called for the defunding of Harvard University because of these positions. And see, for me, as a free speech advocate, I can't go that far. The ACLU, who has moved so far to the left, but 50 years ago, the ACLU's position was, even if I disagree with you, I'll fight for your right to to speak, even if I disagree with you. I, I agree with that 100%. Now, they don't think that now because, in fact, the ACLU today won't stand up for individuals who are espousing positions that they don't support. So while I may disagree with someone, while I may think there are there are consequences to coming out in support of Hamas when you risk your future employment if someone doesn't want to hire you, should the government stop funding a, a higher institution? See, I don't think so. Although I don't know that I would agree with anyone who graduates from Harvard. Probably wouldn't. But I support their right to speak what they want to say because these groups had no problems speaking their mind. But take the flip side. Let's send Ann Coulter to, the, to, to Harvard University. What would happen? Well, we don't have to speculate on what would happen. We know what happened. Every time Ann Coulter speaks, every time pick your conservative, Matt Walsh, who goes and speaks at a, at a university, Cars are set on fire, trash cans are lit up, riots ensue, windows are broken. All of those things happen when when conservatives speak on campus. That is reprehensible. And yet the flip side doesn't happen. There's no cars being set on fire at Harvard. There's no there's no attempts from Harvard University itself to squelch the free speech rights of their students. So it seems like the progressive left really only wants to allow free speech if it's speech that they approve of. And to me, that's that's a slippery slope. So while I'll be more than happy to criticize Harvard, more than happy to criticize Cory Bush, I'm not going to stop their ability to express their opinions. Because as soon as you, you punish someone with the power of the government for expressing their opinion, and I say the power of the government, meaning funding of student loans, funding of universities, economic support of universities. Whenever you do that, that is quintessentially the definition of censorship. So let's flip it around. Remember right now, the Biden administration has been funded. We know this because Elon Musk has released literally the information proving this, that the the Biden administration paid at least $5 million to Twitter to censor the free speech of conservatives. Now, if Twitter itself self-censored conservatives, and before we knew about this government activity, I was saying right here on Camo X 1120, 
that even though I don't like it, even though it's wrong, it's legal. There's nothing illegal about a private company monitoring and uh, free speech and censoring free speech. But when the government does it, now you're talking about the power of the government stopping people from expressing their opinions. That's why we have the First Amendment. That's why it's the First Amendment and not the you know 17th Amendment. It's the first. So while I find Cory Bush's comments to be horrendous, while I find the comments from the Harvard student groups to be incredibly insensitive and painful, reprehensible, insert all the adjectives here that you want to insert, the government itself should not be punishing them for exercising their free speech rights. You think that's fair? Do you think they should be censored? Call or text 314-436-7900. Hey, we'll be right back for the last segment right after this. Welcome back to the last segment here on At Your Service. Thanks for sticking around with us. I know it's getting late. I appreciate you staying up to listen to Camo X, to exchange ideas. I know that's why you listen. That's why I've been a Camo X listener since you know, I was like five, uh, for that exact same reason. And I know that's the reason why you're listening as well. I had a great text. Mary Lynn texted in and said, can we censor Corey Bush because she's stupid? And I wrote back... And I said, yes, we can. It's called voting. I think that's how, that's the, that's what we do. We vote stupid people out of office. That's what we do. And, uh, but uh, as far as the power of the government, no, but the power of the people, yes, yes, and yes. I, I like polling data because polling data describes how people think and why people think. Uh, but before I, before I get to that, I had one other thought that I'm, I'm, I'm looking through my jumble of notes here. Matt Pajeski and I were having a conversation during one of the breaks about why why would Hamas do this? You know, why would they do this? Why would they come and commit this massacre, this atrocity, commit these human rights violations on a massive scale? Why would they do that? And tactically, I can really only think of one reason. And that's this. If if Hamas comes in in force, like they did, but l- let's talk about it tactically before it happened, the planning stages. As they were planning this, and keep in mind that Hamas is f- funded virtually 100% by the country of Iran. So, and, and by the way, the, the Biden administration just gave just gave Iran another $6 billion. Now, none of that could have been used here, all right? That transfer happened. It's a gradual transfer. It's not going to be instantly into this. This is, a, this, is, this is an attack that's been in the works for more than a year. But certainly, as we look down the road, could Iran use that $6 billion that the Biden administration freed up to fund more terrorism activities? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. But let's talk tactics. If Hamas would have simply done some more rocket fire or done some some minor attacks, skirmishes here and there, Israel would have responded. It doesn't change the balance of power in any way. But a massive attack like we just saw from, from Hamas 
requires a massive response. Who benefits from that massive response? I'll tell you who benefits. That's the country of Iran. How do they benefit? Well, over the last several years, we saw this during the Trump administration. We've seen it during the Biden administration. There's been a move by many of the Middle Eastern Muslim countries to reach peace agreements with Israel. Saudi Arabia was literally on the cusp of signing a peace agreement with Israel. Now, it doesn't mean they're going to hang out and, you know, go get a beer together or something, but it means that they recognized that regional stability is good for both countries, that continuous fighting and wars is not beneficial. And so they were looking at and were in the final stages of negotiating a peace treaty between Saudi Arabia and Israel. Iran did not like that. Now, keep in mind, uh, with Saudi Arabia being a Sunni Muslim state and and uh, and vice versa, Shiite state for Iran, when you look at that, they're, they're not exactly good friends. But Iran did not want Saudi Arabia to enter into a peace treaty with Israel. So what better way to force Saudi Arabia to come out in support of a country that attacks Israel than having Hamas do it? Because Saudi Arabia wouldn't come out in support of Israel against an attack by the Palestinian group Hamas. So it forced Saudi Arabia to choose a side and to say they're not going to enter into a peace treaty with Israel. So tactically, that's the best thing that I can see, is that by, by attacking Israel in, on a massive scale with such horrific methods, it demands a response. And that response we're seeing right now, that response was quick, it was massive, and it's going to be extended. And so as this goes forward, it becomes more and more difficult for Saudi Arabia to continue peace talks with Israel while Israel's in the midst of bombing Hamas and the Gaza Strip. So tactically, I mean, that's the only thing that I can see. Uh, I don't see any other benefit to such a response that that uh, that Hamas did in terms of attacking Israel. Time will tell, and I'm sure that we'll get more information on this as as time moves on, but that's that's just the way that I see it. We were talking a few moments ago about about uh, freedom of speech on college campuses. Just this week, the Associated Press came out with a poll that showed nationwide 47% of Americans state that that liberals have a lot of freedom, and that's the exact word, a lot. It's in quotes phrase, I guess I should say. A lot of freedom to express their views on campus. And yet, same study, Associated Press, it's not National Review polling data or Fox News. It's Associated Press. They found only 20% believe that conservatives enjoy the same free speech rights on campus. Isn't that funny? Half believe liberals have complete freedom. Only 20% believe that conservatives have freedom. Why is that? Why is that? And what does it say about us as a country as we're moving further and further towards progressivism that says certain speech is okay, other speech is not? And, and this found, found that out. This, uh, another study from Georgetown University 
and MIT, they got together, found that only 9% of law school professors identify as conservative. Only 9% of law school professors. That's what the future attorneys of our country are learning. And I think notably, another study found that on universities, that 33 out of 65 departments in most college campuses lacked a single conservative faculty member. Not one, not a single one. So when we talk about diversity, and I know we're coming up on a break or coming up at the end of the show, diversity is very important. Racial diversity is very important. But you know what else is important? Intellectual diversity. And I hope that we can foster a sense of intellectual diversity on our schools, in our homes, in our families, in our churches. Intellectual diversity is very important. And we have that right here because anyone can call up anytime and say, hey, Brad, you're stupid. And I say, okay, tell me why. And we'll talk it out. That's the beauty and the wonder of talk radio. Speaking of talk radio, coming up next, the best of Dave Glover coming up at 10 o'clock. So keep it here on Camo X 1120. You can sit around. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.